This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. Welcome to the show. Today, I visit with Daryl Moss. He is the Chief Executive Officer of Moss Energy Works. I've been perusing through your website a little bit more here today just to refresh myself on some of the things that you're doing, but wanted to bring you on and talk about your innovation in agriculture, particularly the development of your anaerobic digester. But before we start talking about those things, I want to learn a little bit more about you. Could you share a little bit of background on yourself with us? Oh, sure. Uh, I grew up in uh, Northwest Washington. Uh, We were the first uh, generation in our family not to grow up on a dairy farm. So uh, both my parents did. They grew up in the Midwest, got married, and uh, we grew up in in an ag environment kind of in uh, Skagit County, Washington. Uh, Grew up uh, around dairy farming in in a small little Dutch Christian uh, community, uh, our own little school where we met a lot of folks from that world. Picked berries and everything else in the summers, uh, but uh, I actually started my career in the U.S. Air Force, and I did that for the first 12 years or so. Uh, but when I got out of the military is when I when I first learned about biogas and digesters. All right. Well, thank you for that little bit of background. And I do think that's helpful as we head into our conversation. So how long has, has Moss Energy Works been in existence? The company was founded in 2010 uh, when we... Uh, uh, it actually started 2007 up in Washington with an earlier company with my brother building digesters. And beginning in 2010, we moved to California and I started this company, which really began to expand out of state and look for new technologies, new markets, uh, new families to work with and really grow the opportunities of biogas into, into more dairy families. So that leads us into the, the next topic then, and that is what you do. What is Moss Energy Works as a company? And tell me more about the, the products that you develop and distribute. So we are a developer and operator and sometimes owner of what are called dairy digesters. Uh, fundamentally, a digester is a, is a device, a vessel for uh, processing dairy manure to extract biogas from it. Now, biogas automatically occurs anytime you store manure. Um, and uh, excuse me. Uh, biogas occurs anytime you store manure in a pond, it naturally vents into the air just because the bacteria are eating the manure and and emitting methane. But uh, when you build a digester, you're essentially uh, fooling the the bacteria into thinking they're still in a cow's stomach. And so they keep eating the the calories left over in the manure and they keep emitting methane, except now instead of doing it in in an open pond, they're doing it inside a container. And so we can capture that gas. Uh, Typically in a warm climate, like in California or Texas, uh, we're doing that with a huge tarp over a manure pond. But there are other ways to do it with concrete tanks, steel tanks, uh, anything that gives the manure a place to, uh, to grow bacteria and emit methane. Once that methane is captured, then what? Well, methane is an energy. Uh, methane is really just another word for natural gas. And so uh, natural gas is what runs your hot water heater and your furnace in, in most U.S. homes. Uh, so what we can do with that fuel is, is multiple things. Uh, early on in our company history, what we would do is we'd take that gas and we'd, we'd build a facility on a dairy farm, take the gas and feed it to a generator, you know, like a um, maybe a 1,000 horsepower generator or so, because you can turn a, a shaft like you can with any fuel and make electricity. So a lot of our earlier projects, we would uh, build them with one family on one farm and generate power that we could either sell to the power grid uh, or the dairy could use it to offset their on-site loads, so they could you know, pay down their bill to the power company. 
uh, more and more in California in particular, uh, people are using solar to do that. So depending on what utility district you're in, uh, usually it makes more sense to sell the power back, uh, especially if you're in a state that has incentives for green power because this qualifies as renewable power. Now, since those years, starting about five years ago, the new market that's really arisen for, for cow gas is not in making electricity, but rather in cleaning up that gas till it's 100% pure methane and delivering it into the natural gas grid so that it can be delivered for someone else to make compressed natural gas fuel. So imagine I build a facility in say um, Nebraska or Arizona uh, and I inject gas into the pipe and we can deliver that gas virtually to uh, some uh, bus station in Fresno, California where they're fueling their buses on compressed natural gas. And that market's uh, very profitable right now because California has a variety of mandates trying to force the uh, transportation system to get off of traditional fuels and onto low carbon fuel. Does your company, in addition to installing the digesters, also install the infrastructure needed to get that energy back onto the grid? Yeah, exactly. We're really a full service company. Very early on, we, we realized that uh, you know, just uh, hiring someone to build the digester and then hiring someone to take care of the digester was never going to work. It, it all kind of has to go together. So our company, from the very beginning, we meet the dairy family. Uh, we uh, you know, negotiate a deal uh, either where the farmer might own the facility or we might own the facility or it might be a joint venture. There's, there's lots of ways to do it. Then we design the project. We oversee construction. So we have a construction management arm, commission the facility, or then we have our operators operate the facility. Uh, and that facility is not just, as you said, it's not just a digester which produces the gas. It also has to be some sort of system for employing the gas. So the most popular way to do it right now would be to build a group of dairy digesters, say five of them uh, within five or 10 miles of each other, connect those, those digesters via a private low pressure pipeline that we install by getting easements from the landowners. And then you have a, we would build additionally a central gas cleanup facility. So you're taking the raw gas from each of these dairies and, and raw gas is, you know, it's, it's wet, it has CO2 in it, it's not pure methane but then you have a central point that our that we would build. And when I say we would build it, of course, we use local contractors. We don't do everything ourselves. We're more of a construction management, project management company, and we use local labor uh, wherever we can. But that central facility then would process the raw gas into pure methane and compress it and push it into a pipeline run by a utility. And then you mentioned a couple different types of digesters. I know you said a big tarp and a couple others in there. Do you manufacture all those different types? And if so, how do you determine what the right type is for the operation? Sure. Great question. Uh, we, we install all types of digesters. The main types are what we call plug flow, which is a horizontal box, uh, usually made of concrete. Then there's round tanks, uh, and uh, which is sometimes called a complete mix. And then there's a covered lagoon, which is a large earthen pond with a tarp over it. Um, we believe in general that the technology is oversold in the market. That is that lots of companies come to the market saying we've invented this new super secret, super high technology, usually foreign way of digesting manure. And fundamentally, we think you just need to design a system that fits with the dairy, uh, usually the climate and the existing manure management system and uses as few moving parts and technology as possible. Because the general rule with manure is everything that touches it will break sooner or later. And so uh, we love covered lagoons. We install them whenever we can because you basically build them right on site. There's no patents. There's no high technology engineering. 
It's just you, you deliver big rolls of fabric and you weld them together and you install them right there. And they're cheap and they're basic and they're simple. They don't get sick. They, they're, they're, just, they're just wonderful. Uh, if they break, you can patch them with a few hundred dollars worth of work. Um, but there are some environments. So uh, covered lagoons work best where the dairies are using a lot of water. So they're flushing the manure as opposed to scraping it. And they work best in a warm environment where the natural heat uh, will uh, warm up the pond. In some environments, not as many as you'd think, but in some environments where it's really cold uh, or where the manure is concentrated, you know, it's collected via scrape, then tanks make more sense. Um, so you'd build a much more expensive, much more complicated tank that is, you know, has pumps and valves and heating and mixing and all the other things you might see in a traditional sewer plant, which is really what this is at that point. Um, we do do some of those, but uh, very often we're finding that covered lagoons make sense even in climates uh, where um, where it's colder than you'd expect. Um, so uh, it really does depend on the dairy. If you have a flush dairy in a cold environment, we're probably going to lean towards a covered lagoon. If you have a scraped dairy with a large amount of sand in your manure, yeah, then we're probably going to look at a, a more complex tank-based system. And Daryl, does your company focus just with dairies or do you do uh, any other kind of confined animal feeding operation? Uh, we do dairies and some other types of food waste. So we have some sites where we add in food waste out of, say, uh, egg cracking plants, uh, poultry slaughter, um, beef slaughter. Uh, some of the offal uh, and other wastewaters out of those markets can be mixed with dairy manure to make more gas and, and have a sustainable way to use that waste. And then we're just recently getting into uh, hog production. Uh, hogs uh, have very similar manure management practices, at least some of them due to dairies. Um, so that's new for us, but there are others in the industry that have been doing it a few years and it's very similar techniques. Uh, there's a lot of facilities uh, built uh, out east, uh, Utah, Missouri, uh, using hog manure. And there are a few people doing poultry manure, but we have not gotten into that. It's a little harder to handle, uh, but uh, there may be a business opportunity for someone uh, to do poultry manure someday. We've talked about the building part of it, the manufacturing part of it, the installing and setting up of it. Does your company also have to help out with getting permits and, and getting through some of the rules and regulations that are out there with this? Absolutely. Most of our initial construction was in California. And we always tell our team that if we can do it in California, we can do it anywhere. Uh, so uh, yes, uh, new ponds require you know different levels of permitting depending on where you are, liners, uh, entitlements, uh, zoning, CEQA, uh, SEPA sort of uh, state entitlements. And then of course, air permits, if we have smokestacks, if we have flares, if we have emissions. So no, our team does all of that. Now, from time to time, if we're in a new state, we'll, we'll get local engineers or local consultants to help us. But uh, a large part of this is making sure it can be permitted and fits into the dairy's existing permitting profile, particularly when it comes to air permits. So yeah, we do all of that. And uh, not, not just that, but there's also the interaction with the utility, which uh, kind of is a little bit like working with the government too. Uh, they tend to be very slow and they have a very methodical uh, rigid method for, for making sure they protect the pipeline so that what we put into the pipeline is safe, uh, or if we're connecting to the power grid, that how we connect to the power grid doesn't blow up the local transformer. So our team has had to learn a lot about uh, doing these things. We're kind of at this interesting junction between agriculture, which in some ways is not quite as permitted, uh, and, uh, and utilities and energy, which are more permitted. And so we're, we work with our dairy producers to, to make sure that we're not subjecting them to new and unnecessary regulation. But at the same time, in order to participate in the market, we have to make sure the facility is operated in a way that will allow us to handle, you know, explosive gases and all these other things. So 
how long is a lifespan, a typical lifespan? I realize the environment will have something to do with how long it lasts, but just on average, how long does a digester last? Um, the oldest digesters we're currently operating are about 20 years old. Uh, we've actually started kind of a side business in taking over digesters that were built by a previous generation of developers. Um, there were some of them that went in, in you know, 2001, two, three, uh, and are still running. Um, not all of those are running optimally. For example, we've got a facility uh, near Tulare, California that was built by others. And we came in, uh, the producer owned it, and we replaced all the engines because the, they had power generating engines that had worn out that couldn't meet the latest emissions that weren't very efficient. And so we had to replace all of that. Uh, but the digester still works. Uh, over the years, it has filled up with some solids. Uh, one of the issues with digesters is if you don't plan in advance, you'll get sand or solids in them. And so some of the earlier generations uh, so there's there's some older digesters, but you know our oldest digesters now are 11, 12, 13 years old and show no sign of aging uh, if you put the maintenance into it. Uh, particularly a covered lagoon uh, doesn't really need much maintenance uh, if you protect it from solids buildup, and they're very easy to patch and repair. If you have a tank or a steel digester, those can break a little more severely and need more attention. But even then, it, with proper maintenance, there's no reason these things can't be multi-decade de de decade operation. Very interesting conversation today, Daryl. What else? What have I not asked you about that would be kind of neat to point out or more information for us? Well, let's see. Um, I think one of the great opportunities about digesters is, is there a second source of income for the ag sector? And so, uh, you know, particularly in the dairy industry, it's so contingent on the price of milk and the price of feed, right? Those are your sandwich between those two. And so digesters give dairy producers an opportunity to get more income. Um, maybe I could talk a little bit about how our industry is shaping up. There's been so much development of digesters that a lot of dairy farmers get a lot of knocks on the door um, asking them if they want to put in a digester uh, because there is a, a new revenue stream there. And we think the key to that is that each dairy producer needs to be aware of their options. Uh, in some cases, the developer wants to own the facility themselves and pay the farmer some sort of fee or some sort of rent. Uh, and that can be the best opportunity for a farmer, but uh, we've also made available the option where the farmer can own part of the facility or own 100% of the facility. And, and we work for the farmer uh, because uh, there's, uh, it's a resource, right? And very often it's a multi-generational resource where one father's giving it over to their kids uh, to run it. So people need to just look real hard at, uh, at what the best fit is because uh, once, once the digester's on the dairy, it's designed to be there kind of forever. And so uh, uh, there's, a, it's, there's a lot of opportunity out there. It used to be, it was a very small market, but now there's hundreds of these being built. And I think it's a great opportunity for farmers to not just be able to uh, create some more revenue, but also you know, catch up with a lot of the consumer demand for, for uh, our environmentally sustainable practices. And this is one way that you can do it and it doesn't have to cost you money. And, you know, and just being one more regulation, one more requirement, it's actually something that benefits the business side of the operation as well. Thank you for pointing that out. Well, Daryl, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you talking to me today and educating us on digesters in general. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, Lori. Thanks for the opportunity mm -hmm. to, to talk to the ag community. It's, it's fun to get to see something that uh, benefits mm -hmm. a lot of people in our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, on that, we'll wrap up our interview today. And once again, I want to thank my guests for joining me. Daryl Moss, he is the Chief Executive Officer of Moss Energy Works. I'm Lori Boyer. That wraps up today's interview. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast.